calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Everybody, welcome to SuperQuest Saga, the show where we here at the Dungeon Cast sit around the table and force choke each other. My name is Will Stark, and I will be your sensible dungeon master for this evening. And joining me, as always, is Fuck, Josh Reeling playing Sebastian Crenshaw, half work paladin. I am your special guest, Jake, playing Persephone Goldpedal, the Druid for a bowl. And my name is Brian, and I'll be playing a human warlock, Carter Huddenberg. Mm-hmm. I'm level four. No, I'm not. <laughs> Boom, I'm level six. <laughs> yeah, you guys, have, level you, guys have leveled, you guys have leveled up. And we're going to talk about that later. Wait, but no, this is a space between arcs. It is. This is interlude two. St- we call know. it in the business story lube. Oh. <laughs> story lube? Oh, my God. <laughs> I fucking love it. Okay, so uh, last episode, a lot of a lot of crazy shit happened. Jesus. Like, the elves attacked. You guys got away. There was a dragon. Sebastian lost an arm. Smash oh, cut. Man. My God, man. Where did it even go? You were gone for like a second. Smash cut back. <laughs> so now it's been a week. And you guys find yourself along with Prim and Victoria um, sitting in a booth of a rundown restaurant on a small way station in the outer rim of the galaxy. The way station is named Blue Eden, likely named for the Cerulean Nebula it orbits nearby, which can be seen outside the window of your booth. It's actually a really gorgeous set. So it is kind of like the end of uh, Empire Strikes Back. What? You know where <laughs> yeah. that iconic scene where they're like all standing in front of that window in front of that like swirling yeah. vortex yeah. of yeah. galaxy sure. shit? Sure, yeah. yeah. Well, this is a nebula. This isn't a swirling vortex of yeah, galaxy yeah, shit whatever. like you just said. Yeah, yeah, Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so the blah, restaurant blah, seems blah, to be <laughs> the restaurant seems to be owned and run by a couple of green insectile humanoids with four arms each, um, and their heads are reminiscent of praying mantises. One of these aliens walks up to the booth with a pen and paper in two of their hands, while a third hand hands out water cups on a serving plate in their fourth hand. Welcome to Blue Eden Diner, the premier dining experience of Blue Eden. My, I'm Gladys, and I will be your server. What can I get for you? You guys have a menu, and there's only six items on the menu. Uh, the first two are beer and water. The second, or the next four are a Crenian beetle sashimi, Gikas fried noodle, Chicken and egg soup, and arboreal salad. What the fuck was her name? Glinda? Gladys. Gladys, Gladys uh, lovely name. I'll, uh, I'll have the fried noodles, please. One, one fried noodle. She writes it down. Uh, can I have the sashimi, please, and a water? Okay, sashimi and a water. Thank brought you. you water. Well, she just brought oh, you water, so you have water. Then I'm solid. <laughs> just, the sh- just the sashimi, please. So sashimi, fried noodle. Yeah. Sebastian's looking at the menu to see if there's like more options. Like, oh, there are. Oh. I know he's not. He's just kind of like, oh, 
Can I just get meat? I mean, is it, can I, I or uh, there's there's geekus in the fried noodle. Uh, sure, that sounds good. <laughs> too fried. I don't know. Do you guys? I don't know. I okay. don't know what any of this is. Down no. Sure, I'll take what I'll take two of those. Okay, two, so two, one, that's three, and then one like other thing. Thumbs. I know. I Prim, Prim says, I'll, I'll take a suit, please. She goes, okay, and then Victoria's all, just give me three beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll take one of those, too, please. Four, four beers it is. Okay, so. No, uh, second she, thought, I'll have a beer. Okay, five beers. <laughs> so she takes an order. Can, can I have a beer, please? <laughs> just pick up six. Just six. Six beers. Six total bit glad to see a doll. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, Love no problem. Love it. <clears throat> and so she, oh, I'm she, sorry. Could I have extra napkins? She walks please? away at this point. Can I get some side ranch? And she says, <laughs> "I got some wasabi, please." <laughs> I got one hopper and three fried door stops, one wet Man. mystery. This is straight some Emperor's New Groove <laughs> shit. <laughs> I love it. And you hear a voice from behind. Got it. <laughs> She just say wet mystery. She did. I don't know what that is. <laughs> was that mine or wait? Is that I'm maybe scared. the soup? Maybe the, oh, yeah. there you go. That's right. Some Prim got soup, huh? What, what was the so what she was the she comes back with all six of your beers pretty quickly. Hey, hands them out. Uh-huh. Victoria cracks one open. She immediately just guzzles uh, a full beer down. I don't know why I didn't start drinking alcohol sooner. This is fantastic. <laughs> alcohol is very nice. It's God. nice. It's pretty good. Fortunately, it hardly does anything to me anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a moment of silence and Victoria begins to speak unprompted. I was born a mechanic. And she's not even looking at you guys. Yeah, We're all just so uncomfortable. <laughs> like, oh shit. Pause, like, mid drink, like, fuck. Like, everybody knows we don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I was born a mechanic. Primary world of the Cyber Federation. I've lived most of my life under dwarven rule. I grew up in the streets of Craghammer, a slum neighborhood in the capital city. I know none of you probably know this, so I'll just fill you in. The Cyber Federation is built on a fairly rigid caste system. On top, you have the Thrum caste, which is made up of an elite aristocracy of highborn dwarves. Below them is the Rack caste, essentially a middle-class society of dwarves. Some are wealthy and influential, but others are much closer to the poverty line than any of them would admit. <clears throat> All have more rights and privileges afforded to them than any of the castes below them, though. There are two other castes that aren't important to the story that I'm about to tell all of you, but since we're on the subject, there's the Ord caste, which is made up of the numerous known clans of the Federation, and the Cadral caste, made up of the largest population of Warforged in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. But then there are the Castless. Some call them the Lost caste, which is made up of everybody else. My mother raised me and my baby cousins on her own until I was about 10 years old. About that time, she became ill, and within a year, it was me taking care of her and my cousins. Both Dag and Dirk were only five at the time. I wish I could say I did a good job of it, but begging in odd jobs in the ghettos of Mechanis isn't exactly a lucrative endeavor. We couldn't afford a doctor, and we could barely afford food. My mother was dead within two years. Mm. (laughs) somehow i managed to make it to the age of 16 and at that point i did the same thing every castless does when they don't have a future or any options i joined the military they trained me up they gave me a uniform put a plasma rifle in my hands and they assigned me a post on a base in bumfuck nowhere the food sucked and the pay was shit half of that was going to my cousins back home the watches were long and soul crushing honestly though it was the most well-off i'd ever been at that point and i didn't complain 
<clears throat> then two years later, two years into my eight-year enlistment, the Third Goblin War broke out. There never was a good war or a bad peace, and the damn thrums had no qualms sending the castles to die. I saw my fair share of action. Almost every friend I made was killed in action, so I stopped making friends and I started drinking. She takes a long draw from her beer at this point. <laughs> the war was the first time I ever saw one of the damn pointy ears. Everyone knows the Cyber Federation answers to the Elven Empire, but they rarely collaborate so closely as they do during war. They were like nothing I'd ever seen before. They were tall, graceful, strong. They had faces that looked like they were carved from marble. Glowing eyes. I once saw a drunken dwarven officer challenge an elf soldier to an arm wrestling match. That officer wasn't just strong. He was dwarf strong. And that elven soldier snapped his forearm mid-match. I once witnessed their sorcerers create a cosmic storm that swallowed a goblin dreadnought whole. They, they terrified me. Most of the war was a blur until they stationed me at a lunar outpost on Rocknar 5 defending military supply lines. There was a lot less fighting, and that's where I met him. Asimov Starbrand. He was an Asimov. <laughs> Asimov, yeah. He was an engineer and mechanic that upkept uh, various ships and vessels on base. He was a dwarf from a fairly well-to-do Ratcast clan. He was young and handsome for a dwarf, which is not a word I use lightly when describing dwarfs. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had certain he had a certain naivety to him that only the young and privileged can achieve. But he was also the smartest man I had ever met. Naturally, I completely despised him. Mm-hmm. To be fair. I despised all dwarves at that point in my life, and I had nothing personal against Asimov. I hardly even knew he existed, except as one of those nerdy science dwarves. Until I got myself into a trouble, uh, got myself into a bit of trouble due to the sh- my sharp tongue and a serious alcohol problem. I was out getting plastered at the local ball a bar, and some slimeball dwarven officer decided to take advantage of the situation. And come on to me. Normally, I know how to schmooze my way out of uh, those situations diplomatically, but on this night, I was particularly drunk and particularly angry. I don't remember what exactly I called that officer, but I will never forget the look of absolute shock and embarrassed anger on his ruddy, bulbous face. He lifted his hand to strike me, and suddenly there was another person standing between us and facing him. The officer tried to push past him, but the new dwarf stopped him. Then the officer spit a slur into my face that I will not repeat here. The newer dwarf, who I recognized at this point as that Asimov fellow, threw out what I found out later to be the first punch of his life. It was a pretty good one. He broke that lecher's nose. Asimov may have been the smartest man I was yet to ever know, but in that moment, I was much smarter. I fled while everyone was distracted by the commotion. He didn't, and he got landed in three days of solitary confinement for striking an officer of the Thrum cast. Took me a week before I decided I needed to thank him. I tried to just forget about it, but the thought of owing anything to a dwarf, even a simple thank you, was galling for me. I ended up finding him in a garage on the outskirts of town. He was covered in grease and oil, elbowed deep into an engine of a private star cruiser that probably hadn't flown in 50 plus years. Before I could say a thing, he asked me if I knew my way around an engine. I told him I didn't. He asked me if I wanted to. Fast forward two weeks later, and we got that hunk of junk airborne. I never did end up thanking him like I had meant to. We became two peas in a pod after that. He taught me the mechanic. He taught me mechanics and completely bored me out of my mind with the higher sciences. I taught him how to fight and made him laugh with stories of my exploits and cleverness. I started to spend less and less nights out drinking and more and more nights stargazing and talking with Asimov. It ended up we both had resentment for the Federation and the caste system that exploited and oppressed its people. 
He told me the story of his life and how he had forgotten his family fortune and his family name by joining the military, disowned by his overbearing father. I told him the story of my mother and my life in Craghammer. That was the first time I'd ever told anyone that story. I don't know at what point I had fallen in love with Asimov, but I remember the moment that I realized that I was. I woke up one morning and had an epiphany that not only would I rather spend my time with him than go report to my watch, but that, that I rather spend time with him than do any other thing in the universe that I could think of. <laughs> I realized that just the thought of never seeing Asimov again made me wholly terrified, and I realized that I needed to tell him how I felt. So I did. That night after my watch, I sprinted to his housing unit. I pounded on his door till he woke up, and I told him that I loved him and that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with him. He got down on one knee and asked for my hand in marriage. I said yes. And in that moment, we both agreed that we had a huge problem. You see, dwarves marrying outside of arranged marriages is unorthodox. Dwarves marrying outside their caste is extraordinarily rare and almost borderline taboo. A dwarf marrying a castless is absolutely forbidden. To do so was to risk imprisonment for him and worse for me. <coughs> so we deserted. We had no long-distance transportation of our own, so we bartered a passage to, onto a religious missionary vessel passing through. The Cyber Federation doesn't have an official stance on religion, and they allow missionary groups to preach to the troops in exchange for a little bit of money and uh, that they provide um, uh, some form of entertainment for the board, board soldiers. The faithful of unity was thankful... Well, no, no, excuse me. The faithful of unity, thankfully, was intensely empathetic to our situation. Honestly, we couldn't have made up a better story than the truth for them. It had everything they loved. Two individuals oppressed by an atheistic regime, breaking down the barriers of caste and race and uniting despite all outside resistance through love. They ate that shit up. <laughs> as soon as we made the first hyper jump, the faithful officiated our marriage, and they took us as, as far from the Imperial and Federation influence as they could. We ended up in the Draconic Star Sovereignty. Along the way, I had picked up the religious bug. Partially because I was thankful to the faithful, and partially because the, their teachings resonated with me. <clears throat> she starts, like, flicking her medallion at this point. I'm going to fast forward the story here. We got on our feet. We started a business. We hired people to extract my cousins off Mechanis. We built a ship, and we named it after my mother. Those were the happiest years of my life. But in our happiness, we were careless. I don't know what mistake we made to tip off our identities, but regardless, both the Empire and Federation had enough information to identify us when a job took us near the border of Imperial space. We stopped at a way station, not unlike this one. We were intercepted as we exited the Brunhilde. Elven headhunters. They told us to drop our weapons and put our hands up. Asimov yelled a directive code at Artax, who immediately shielded me and started carrying me back on board. The headhunters opened fire. Asimov ordered Dag to start the ship. I saw three plasma bolts strike Asimov in the chest. He collapsed. I struggled free as Artax closed the door behind us. And as the Brunhilde lifted away, I watched through a window and witnessed an elf approach and stab my husband through the heart. Mm. <clears throat> At this point, the food comes. <laughs> and just cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just straight I'm bawling just right Sebastian's just sitting there frozen with his hand on his beard. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> The waitress moves away, and Victoria takes another long chug, and she goes, so that's who I am. And then she just falls silent. How do you... <laughs> oh, my God, Vicky. Damn, that sucks. 
She just takes another swig of beer. She's not even looking at your ass. Yeah, fucking I'm so asshole. Sorry, that's, that's one of the saddest things I've ever heard. <clears throat> now I know why you hated us so much when you saw us. What? what? Just because, you know, she closed herself off. She didn't want <laughs> yeah, to open herself up to us. She didn't want to down those walls. Yeah. There was a point yeah. where you asked her about her past, and she got really not yeah. happy she with you. Like, I remember you, that. Doc. I don't know you. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> it's like Carter. It uh, their interactions, that's right. It's all coming back. That's the reason <laughs> Carter just, like, waits for somebody to start talking and then, like, takes his notebook out. Like, I can't ask you people shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, many questions. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <clears throat> Yeah, you guys get your food in front of you. Um, the uh, Ginkus fried noodle just looks like a stir fried noodle with some sort of like pork-like meat. Mm. It ain't pork, but it's hey, meat. It's <laughs> uh, Carter, the, Carter's taking it out and putting it on Bass's plate. The Ukrainian beetle sashimi <laughs> is literally like uh, like raw beetle wrapped around like rice balls. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Do you have any like uh, teriyaki sauce or like a, you know, um, <laughs> fuck, what's it, sriracha? <laughs> sriracha. <laughs> Something of that fantasy sriracha. Oh, yeah, we're all stocked up on the sriracha. I'll oh, go yeah, get you please, some. Please. That, that, that thing lasted a long time. <laughs> it did, yeah. This fantasy. episode brought to you by sriracha. Fantasy sriracha. Fantasy, fantasy sriracha. sriracha. Space, space, space sriracha. sriracha. <laughs> space sriracha. Okay, so, yeah. So now there's another awkward moment of silence yeah. as you guys are just kind of sitting there in the booth. You know, I don't really know how to, like, segue into, you know, like, how do you... <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> like how do you how do you follow that you know what I mean like what, what is like, it was funny shit because it sounded like you were saying it in character I was oh, okay, I was fuck. definitely saying that in character um, oh, shit yeah you know I mean you guys know I guess you guys don't know too much about my my past but I, I was from a a tribe of furbogs in our time we're kind of like nomads, just kind of going from forest to forest. And, um, you know, when, like, our people are kind of rare in our time, um, people don't usually take well to us. So we try to stay pretty far into the mountains or it's pretty far into the forest so nobody sees us. Um, but, you know, that's not too easy when you kind of stick out like I do. For bulks, usually, I mean, you saw those gardener things, people's, um, they're like gray kind of, yeah. and, uh, you know, I'm like white, I'm, I, I stick out oh, a yeah, little bit. Of you're bit. albino. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I am stark white. So it's a little bit hard for me to disguise myself and that disguise things that I can do only last for an hour. And then, you know, we're kind of screwed. So, <laughs> uh, so when I was, when I was younger, um, you know, long story short, my my parents, um, when they were when they were packing up camp and leaving, they just kind of left me when I was, you know, like two or three. They just straight abandoned your albino. <laughs> they just God left damn, me. Yeah, dude. yeah. They all packed up damn. and they, you know, sat me behind a tree with some, you know, like a bag and stuff, and just kind of, <laughs> and just kind of left. Stay um, here, honey. We'll be right yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, Generally, basically, yeah. Victoria reaches across the table to your beer, cracks it open, and then like passes it to you. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it and be like, cheers, hug. <laughs> and the then chug it. To a hug you're going to get yeah, right now, yeah. man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll cheers her and chug it and be like, um, so, you know, I was 
I was by myself a lot. Um, somehow I figured, you know, I figured stuff out. Me being a furbolg, I could kind of talk to animals. So, you know, they kind of helped me every now and then. And, you know, if I was hurting for food or if I was hurting for uh, shelter or something like that, you know, I would talk to one of them and they kind of helped raise me. So I'm not, you know, super, I wasn't very acclimated to being around a lot of people. Uh, You know, you guys are the the closest thing I have ever had to a family, which is, you know, nice. (laughs) Carter, like, is like... (laughs) Yeah, he yeah. like pulls a flask out yeah, like, somewhere. He's like, it's, it's like it says four emergencies <laughs> on the side. Yeah. He's like, Ugh, stage five clinger break. Yeah, the glass. Something stronger than beer here. Um, so you're literally raised by the forest. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's crazy. And um, that's kind of why I I took the the druid path that I did because I've all I've always kind of been more animalistic than others and it kind of made sense for me just to be that connected to nature and creatures and you know then i met you you guys and we traveled through time and and all sorts of crazy shit has happened since then but uh yeah that's that's me (laughs) and i'll drink my beer sebastian's gonna put his hand on on percy yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. I found you guys. Oh. I'm sorry, Percy. That's rough. It's all right. We've now all, you got us. Like like We're family. Like Carter was saying, tragedy happens. What was that? Yeah. Yeah. Damn, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Carter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Indeed. means a lot. Indeed. Oh, man. Well, all these super sad stories. <laughs> Get ready for this good backstory. <laughs> My, my my story pales in com- in comparison. Just it just doesn't stand up to the both of yours. I, it's, it's not tragic. Well, I guess it is. <laughs> now that I think about it, man, I, that shit was tough. To the grass. He was like, <sighs> takes another swig of his beer. Yeah, this shit's good. Yeah. Ooh, good beer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, growing up with my my father, my mother, my my, my dad. Didn't allow us to drink alcohol. Couldn't have spicy foods. Everything was just bland. Couldn't have spicy like, food. No, nothing. Too much exposure. Spices were too worldly. It was just like everything was bland. Like everything was nothing to, to, to mess with our senses or dull our senses. Everything we had to stay sharp at all times. Mm. My father was was a human, dark complexion, dark hair. My mom, orc, green skin. Um, I do have gray skin, but it's probably just the way that, you know, the, the skin tones between my father and my mother. I came out with green skin, or more of the grayish tone, tone skin. Mm. Kind of an outcast of that. But with my father, he kept us inside. He kept us sheltered. Almost almost felt like prisoners most of the time. And it, it's... Yeah, man, my poor mother. What she had to go through was... I, she always wanted me to get, to get out of there. She wanted us to leave some way, somehow. But we just couldn't. It was couldn't go against my father. I, I never understood why. I just always felt like we could just run, just go, but we just never went. My mom would always tell me that her father was a chieftain and that we would be safe with her, her family. So I never understood why we couldn't just leave. But I think my mom was just afraid, scared of my father, just the power he had. My mom, she was just, just a strong, sweet person, rugged and beautiful. I, it's, it's, 
what we had to go through with my father was, was, was I, just, I can't even talk about it too much. I just, the Victoria dis- the reaches discipline. across, cracks <laughs> 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 open your beard and heads And I you. just chug it at this point. <laughs> the discipline that we had to go through, well, more of myself than my mother. I have so many whip marks across my back for stuff I've done. Anytime I try to speak Orcish, I was punished. My mom would teach me on the sly without my father knowing. So I learned, picked up some words here and there. But for the most part, yeah, he, he made us push down the Orc heritage. And then one day, he caught me speaking Orc <laughs> to my mother. Oh, no. I can tell you one thing, that was not a good day. Have you guys ever had hold buckets of water out to your side, straight out to your side? Ooh. I don't think Just so. Just straight out. To your side, <clears throat> as soon as my arm started dropping, whipped it with a cane. Oh, I just... No. I will give him this, though. It will. It did teach me how to be strong and uh, fight through pain. Yeah. That's for damn sure. Victoria is out on her third bridge. She'll build up those shoulders. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Got that AC straight yeah. through the roof. <laughs> and then one day, when my father was out on a mission of some sort, didn't tell me too much about his missions... He just told me that one day I'd be a champion of Sargonis, his god. And that was supposed to be the god I'm supposed to follow. And I did follow. But while he was gone, five orcs showed up at our door. And my mom recognized them. And I couldn't understand exactly what they were saying. I only knew a little bit of orc. But I just knew that they said that they were looking for us for a long time. And they're glad (laughs) glad they found us. And they were going to take us home. So we left. We we just got the bare oh, necessities. Shit. We just took off. We left. Okay. Oh wow. I did not know this about you. Out in the the wilderness for two full days, <clears throat> just traveling, learning about the orc heritage, learning about my mother, learning orc. My mom even gave me her dagger that she kept hidden, an orc dagger, mm-hmm. and on it is engraved, "Our blood is our strength." Ooh. And something I've always kept with me. Something I keep close to my heart. For her, probably about two days in, two wonderful days. I mean, I, this is the happiest I've ever been. Those days traveling with them, two two of them, two days. Okay, two, not not many more than that. <laughs> two great days. Why? Storm came in at nighttime, and we heard something in the distance coming. Oh no! Didn't know what it was. <laughs> oh, no. Here comes the thunder. <laughs> exactly. Thunderdome, bitch. Part of the sky opened up, and a beam of light shot down, and. <laughs> Beyond the trees, I saw my father. Jesus. Just light up. <laughs> oh, Your dad no. was Thor, so that's yeah, cool yeah. and scary. <laughs> and all of a sudden, next thing I know, it was scary but beautiful at the same time. Just the way he moved. It was like music almost. He came running through the camp, just slicing his axe left and right. I just straight murdering I, bitches. I, I, Jesus. I, 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 it happened so fast. I, I don't know the details. I just know... That within a couple minutes, he was the last one standing, being on that five, those five orcs that had taken my mother and I away. What? In some way, somehow, during that whole whole exchange, my mother got pushed and she fell onto a spike on the ground, off a tree, impaled her. Oh jeez. Oh. And I could see the life just leaving her, so I walk up to her. And he looks down his stump of his arm right now. Oh gosh, yeah, I forgot. Like, yeah, one arm. He's like, one arm with smashing. my right hand, I reached out and I touched her face. Oh and I was no, like, mom! And she just we looked got at moms me. Moms dying left and right. Yeah, and just like mom, mom. And she just looked up to me. She's like, "You are special. Keep fighting to become who you're meant to be." 
I love you. And just at that moment, I saw the life just fade out. So I don't know if my father killed her or if it was just an accident. We did bury her and we did go back. We left, my father and I. But to this day, I don't know if he's the cause of her death hmm. or if it was just an accident. Oh, man. I'm crying again. <laughs> I'm crying again. <laughs> I'm weeping again and I'm just going to hug him. But and, I for the, my God's and, and for the longest time, I didn't know what to do with my father. Seeing what he was capable of doing, the fear of life was just, I just... I followed his rules to the T. No matter what he said, I did. <clears throat> I just, yeah. He just starts chugging his beer. Nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think at this point, like, everyone realizes what's happening. Everyone just turns to look at Carter. <laughs> oh, sorry. I missed your turn. Uh, damn, that sucks. Do you, uh, do you have a family member that's dead? <laughs> <laughs> Carter is like is that too crap is that too crap too soon too, 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 too straightforward alright alright <clears throat> alright I grew up in a small town my mother was a strict woman sharp tongue like can a I knife. roll insight on Carter real quick I want to know if he's <laughs> wait till the, the story's okay. over <laughs> excuse you <laughs> first of all how dare you <laughs> My mother was a strict woman with a tongue sharp like a knife. My father was busy with his studies often, but he made time for me here and there and uh, made sure that I studied as well. I've always been of the book and uh, grew up as such. Uh, One day we came to some money from a deceased family member from across the pond and we moved and there you have it. All of a sudden uh, I was treated like a noble, like a like a very, very wealthy boy uh, growing up. I went to private school. I researched history in Arcana and became exactly the person they expected me to be. And uh, one day when I was but a teenager in my third year of upper class, I came home from my studies and my parents were gone. Disappeared, vanished. Nobody knew where they'd gone. Nobody had seen them leave the house. No one had... Any record of speaking with them, I, I asked. I filed a report with the police, and there was no one to be found. I used their inheritance to continue my way through school, uh, got my degree, and went to serve the king. And that's when I met all of you. Go ahead and roll insight. Oh, that's a good one. It's a 19. It's really good. It's not the whole truth. Oh, okay. <clears throat> it's a part of the truth. I'm quite... I, <clears throat> I don't want to say that Sebastian would realize it's not the truth. He'd be just... It, it really... It probably would raise some questions. <clears throat> You're abandoned too, Carter. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, hilarious. Tears we all have dead pirates. <laughs> oh, what was the name of the city we're from? It's been so long. Oh, my God. Oh, it's been, hold on. I got in my notes back here. Okay. Um, uh, Castilian. That Castilian. Was yeah, that's Castilian. where. That's eventually. I. Uh, I moved shit. to. I that moved was so to, long ago. I moved to Castilian <laughs> as a researcher, uh, working under a nobleman, and um, I just basically delved myself into study. That's all I ever did. Uh, studied magic. Studied history. I had a wealth of books. 
I had a jar filled with taffy. I had liquor <laughs> in my cabinets. <sighs> mm. Taffy? I fucking love Carter. I was, <laughs> I, I was considered a sage in the town. Um, I feel like the legs are getting bigger. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one. That one. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, cool. People, uh, people came to me for uh, help with knowledge and advice, but uh, eventually they they stopped coming, and I, I couldn't I couldn't figure out why. Uh, <laughs> I'd offer them food and 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 drink when they were when they were at my abode, but uh, you know things change. Uh, I ended up taking contracts from the king. One of them being to research a magical signature, the likes of which had never been seen before in the land, and. Uh, and as I said, Miss Victoria, when we first met, that those are the circumstances in which we've now fallen under your care. I told you I uh, believed you. Oh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought you did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know those walls we talked to? She had those walls. She cracks open your beer and passes it back to you. Uh, beer doesn't really get the job done, but, you know, I'm going to need a little bit of pushing on the back end. So, cheers. Cheers. Uh, so, as you're taking your drink. Is this the future? If, I, you, do we know? It feels like the future, anyway. <laughs> Just like drinking. <laughs> do we even know? Can I, figure it out. I like that. Can I, I like that, that flask? Can I, can I have, do you mind if I take a sip? Oh, here, I've I need, got a, I've I need got, some of the hard shit. I've got a spare. Point. I just start oh, passing oh, out. Wow. I just start nice. passing out yeah. flask. Anybody else want, a, want one? I've got several. I'll take one. That screws it with his teeth because he's missing Prim one. Prim takes one. Mm. She takes a long draw. And she puts it back down on the table. She begins Ooh, was that the... Never mind. <laughs> Which one did you drink? Corn syrup. She will now tell me everything. No, that's not. That's does not she turn it. into a llama? No, <laughs> no, no, and no. But she does begin to speak. Oh. When I when I first awoke, I think we're all be like, what? yeah, book yeah. out. <gasps> when when Carter I first, has a recorder on his uh, what, bracer. Oh, bracer jack. Sure, yeah. Boop. She's like, I can't touch mine. <laughs> you guys are ridiculous. <laughs> When I, fr- when I first awoke, before I was sent to live with the Illithids, I lived in a research center run by Dr. Zahn and his scientific team. I didn't really have much of a childhood, but Dr. Zahn liked to teach me things and to tell me stories. There was one story he used to tell me um, fairly regularly when putting me to bed. <clears throat> long, long ago, before the stars all had worlds of their own, there was one world. One land with one sky above it. And in this land, many kings and queens ruled over nations and peoples of this one land. Of these these kings and queens, nine were counted as the greatest among them. They created many wonders and they forged the greatest nations. It is said that that even their very names rang with power and that their descendants were part of sacred bloodlines that held a deep and secret power. Though these nine were not united and at times even warred against one another, under their rule the peoples of this one land grew prosperous and bountiful. But nothing is eternal, and the nine began to envision a world after the rule had ended. They feared a time may come when their subjects needed them, but they were no longer of this world. And so the nine came together to forge a sacred treasure imbued with their power. They hid it away in a place only those of the sacred bloodlines and the secret knowledge could find it, so that in a time of great need, their power may be called on again. The nine did eventually pass from life, and with their deaths they performed a final wonder. 
The nine sang out to the heavens to beseech the stars, and the stars moved by their power, created worlds of their own, many lands with many skies, for the peoples of one land and one sky, to find and to cultivate on their own. Dr. Zahn always told me that it was me who was meant to find the sacred treasure. Mm. Mm. It's a long, long bedtime story. Um, (laughs) You're probably asleep by like the middle of it, right? (laughs) (laughs) I heard it so many times I could recite it in my sleep. Uh, You, you, you ever go looking? Um, I think that's what the illithids were trying to do. We did a lot of experiments and Mm. they never seemed too pleased by the results. Uh, Eventually their um, focus shifted to time distortion rather than space travel uh, did they say why mm. you happen to know what what the purpose of that would be for i don't know but i think it upset the elves <clears throat> it's up, it's uh, upset me a little bit too honestly victoria holds her hand out and grabs from by the hand she goes i want to help you prim whatever it is that you want to do i want to help you i also want to help you prim me too <laughs> me too and my axe. And my axe. <laughs> and so I guess we'll we'll end the scene with the camera kind of panning from the table and out the window and kind of zooming slowly in on this beautiful blue nebula out in the, the outreaches of space. Going. And the more fucking will show up. Psych! <laughs> no, but just the, kind of this calm, serene scene. And before we end today's session, uh, you guys leveled up, and I yeah, want to talk yeah. about that. So why don't you guys tell the audience what level six versions of you look look like? So buff. So buff. Oh, my God. So strong. Biceps, the likes of which Woo. you've never imagined. Uh, triceps... That could topple mountains. Ooh, that could topple mountains. Who back. wants to go first? I'll, I'll go first. Sure. Um, so, I mean, my main thing really is I get my extra attack now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. that's beautiful. That's awesome. That's, mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. stellar. I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. Deltoids that crush a man. <laughs> uh, I do get my aura of protection, which now anybody within 10 oh, feet of me. It's going to be a pain in my dick. A- <laughs> <laughs> I forgot paladins get that. Hello. Your passive sure unique is. abilities yeah, have yeah. so a painter dungeon team. master right in the dick. People who are familiar with uh, paladins <laughs> now, anybody within 10 feet of me will get uh, a plus to their skill uh, saving throws with my charisma mod, which is a plus three. Ooh. Ooh. So plus three on nice. all nice. saving throws now. Sick. So nice. I can really use that. I got some names. still going to suck on the deck saves, but yeah, well. whatever. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then other than that, I get a couple more. Uh, I get two uh, second level spell slots. Oh, nice. And I get a, no, I know two more spells. Or one more spell. I was at five, now I'm at six. Nice. Nice. Hell yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, I get. Um, I can wild shape into CR2 Ooh. creatures now. Which, which we'll is, have to come uh, up with. <laughs> yes, which is dope. Um, my And my attacks when I'm wild shaped count as magical now. Oh, nice. Yes. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah that's overcome. just in time, yeah, quite yeah, literally. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, they're level six. I'm going to start throwing the big boys at yeah, them. But, uh, they're ready for me, apparently. Uh, and then I get level three spells, too. Mm, nice. So I'm going to be calling lightning and doing Full all cast. sorts of cool stuff. Yeah. Very cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, uh, at level five, let's see, I got a new spell, which I will pick at some point. Um, <laughs> third, I now cast third level spells, 
and mm. I got a new invocation. So I think I'm taking Armor of Shadows. I know I'm taking Armor of Shadows. <laughs> Things are getting dicey. Indeed and I can really are. use, this is going to put a plus two on my AC from 12 to 14. Yeah. Uh, so yay. Um, that's effectively an ability score increase. So yeah. let's go. I had it at level one or two or whatever we were, and it just like, it wasn't as pertinent as it is now. <laughs> and uh, at level six, I got my, oh, not our proficiency bonus all went up to three. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's um, good to know. Yeah. Thought it, I thought it was three early. It wasn't. Um, Not earlier, like in a a few episodes ago. Uh, I got at level six, I got my otherworldly patron feature, which is this um, this entropic ward. So I can impose disadvantage on somebody and on an attack roll. If they miss it, I get advantage on my next attack. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. So that's cool when I, you know, for using like my very precious spell slots. Right. So uh, (laughs) let's see. And I got an additional spell there. So that's two new spells I need to pick. And yeah, that's that's Carter. Nice. Uh, I need to roll my HP. Yeah, out. I was gonna say, what's everyone's HP now? Uh, should I be 57. rolling it? Fifty-seven. I'm at forty-two. Forty-two. What am I? A D8. Uh, you are a D8. Okay. Go ahead and roll here those. we go. Eight. Ooh. Oh my god. Here we go Clutch. again, everybody. You make up Racy with HP <laughs> and six. Bro. Oh, nice. So plus twenty more. Plus HP. your con mod. That's plus time. six. So eight and six plus six. So twelve. That's uh, that's 16. twenty. That's no wait. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's twenty HP extra. Right. Is that right? Eight and six plus six, that's 20, yeah. so I'm at 57 HP. Holy yeah, shit, you, you just fucking... keep keeping up with the goddamn oh, paladin. You need to look at the toughness feet, my friend. I know, <laughs> I, know. I actually have thought about that. Ooh, I'm so bad. I need it, guys. And yeah, with that, I think we're going to call it a game. If you guys enjoy Super Quest Saga and what we do here at the Dungeon Cast, please leave a like, a subscribe, and a comment below. Um, share the show with a friend, word of mouth, maybe on Twitter, maybe on Instagram, however you want. And with that, we will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye-bye. I was going to say something saying? like semi-poetic. Something about a tragedy yeah. you know, twining yeah, through all our lives. lives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, here I go. Damn, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs>